Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. It is my joy to have another episode with you guys today. We are diving into a beautiful subject. I've got an incredible guest. If you are new to the show, we have a new episode releasing every Monday and Thursday on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You could also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to to tap in. If you've been listening week after week, to the podcast. Thank you so much for spreading the word. I've heard testimony after testimony of people being touched, you know, Bible studies and different groups coming together, listening to the podcast, studying, getting into the scriptures. Um, You know, we'd love to have interviews, people from around the world um, that are incredible, that have a message, a prophetic message for this time, this hour, missionaries, people who are laying their lives down in other countries, um, pastors, leaders, Um, from all over the world on the podcast. We have the Preach Jesus. This is Awaken Podcast. Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That was written to believers, not unbelievers. And so that's very, very important. Our hearts as believers need to be awakened to the beauty of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, how we could walk out our callings, destroy the works of the enemy, and so this is this is huge. And so thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I have a guest on the show that has made a big impact on my walk with the Lord. Um, his worship has been huge in my life. His name is Rick Pino. He's the founder of Heart of David Movement. Um, and the, it's a modern tabernacle of David based in Austin, Texas. Um, the HOD community is passionate about seeing Jesus glorified through day and night worship that leads to societal transformation in regions, cities, and in the nations of the world. Every year, thousands come from all over the world to attend their internships, schools, conferences, summits. And for the last 13 years, Rick has been calling people to radical love and devotion to Jesus through his different worship albums, um, through his teaching ministry and his workshops and everything like that. And so I was introduced to Rick. Um, it was the first worship album I ever received. It was a Christ for the Nations Institute album with Carrie Joe, Brooke Pino, Klaus Kahn. And um, anyways, it was the first album that I really encountered the Lord in. And so it's always an honor to talk to him. Rick, thank you so much for joining me today. Bro, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so cool. Like I was telling you before we got on, Overtaken, Glorious. When did those albums release? Early 2000s, right? Bro, that was, uh, let me see here. I think Overtake or uh, uh, Glorious was the first one with Carrie and I and Klaus. I think that was 04. And then Overtaken was 05. I think so. Yeah, yeah. almost 20 years ago, man. I was just a little kid at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember crying to uh, the more I seek you, you know, oh, yeah. Carrie Job singing that. And then you guys, I remember one thing that blew me away. It introduced me to spontaneous worship, prophetic worship. You guys had just songs of just singing, declaring, you know, as the Lord led you guys. And so anyways, man, I just want to honor you for that. The Lord used you, Carrie, and the whole Christ for the Nations Institute to really change my life and introduce me to worship. So Yeah, great Bible school, man. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, hey, I always like to talk to my guest about this, kind of jumping off. Today, I want to talk about intimacy with God, developing a personal relationship with the Lord, a personal history with Him, which will affect our ministry, our worship, everything that we do for the Lord, whether it's even in business and whatever we're called to. Um, but one thing about your worship that I absolutely love is the language of intimacy that you carry. You talk about the embrace of his presence. You talk about kisses from Jesus. You talk about, you know, you use language, right? I, I just know that you had encounters with God 
that this this is the reason why you're doing what you do, why you're laying down your life. And so how did you encounter the Lord? Tell us a little bit about how the Lord really wrecked you and why you're doing this. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I grew up in a Christian home um, in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I'm from Vegas. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents loved God. Um, the church that we were going to at the time, you know, this is... This is uh, you know, early 90s or so, you know, late 80s, early 90s. I'm just a kid. There's not a ton of language out there right now. There's not a ton of resource. There is no YouTube. There is no Spotify. You can't just jump on the internet and watch your favorite preacher. Uh, It was in those days. So we didn't have a lot of language and a lot of of, uh, revelation as to far as what what God was doing in the earth. So for us, it was just kind of like a man, let's, let's go to church. Let's have a great time. And, you know, hold on tight till Jesus comes and rescues you. That was kind of the, <laughs> you know, the mindset of the, the community and the church that we grew up in. I go off oh, to yeah. Bible school as a teenager. I'm, I'm 18 years old and man, I get introduced to revival and prophecy and apostolic leadership and the moves of God. And I remember you know, I walked into a buddy's uh, dorm room and he had this gigantic picture. It covered his whole entire wall. And it was the biggest crowd I have ever seen in my life. I was like, what is this? And he said, oh, it's, it's just a Reinhardt Bonnke crusade. And I said, Reinhardt Bonnke, who the heck is that? Like I literally knew nothing. And so my eyes were opened wide to the things of God, like what? And then in that same season, um, you know, even before I got to Bible school, when I was 11 years old, I got marked by the presence of God one one afternoon in my room as a kid, as an 11-year-old. And I remember as an 11-year-old just crying out, God, all I want is a place where I could just worship you day and night like King David. Like there was no language for that in the community I was growing up in. That was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that's been yeah. the cry mm-hmm. of my life since I was a little boy. Fast forward now to this season where I'm in Bible school Somebody goes, hey, Rick, we heard that you like 24-7 prayer. You know, there's a place in Kansas City that's been praying nonstop for three years. It was only three years old at the time called International House of Prayer. And I said, what? You're kidding me. They said, yeah, they pray 24-7. And of course, now they've been praying for like 22 years or something like that straight. Yeah. Uh-huh. Unending, unceasing. So, bro, I, I loaded up the van with a couple buddies and we we went out to Kansas City and I was like, wait a second, this is insane. You can prophesy, you can, you can. And so uh, I met a wonderful gentleman there named Ali, uh, who's still a good buddy of mine. He loaded me up with all the resources, all the books, all the CDs. Have you ever heard of this person? You ever heard of that person? And bro, so it, that was like month two at Bible school. So right off the bat, I was just introduced to all of these incredible people, resources, things of God. And dude, I was just hungry. So I just started going after it. And, uh, you know, later on that year is whenever the, the glorious record came out and, and on and on and on. So they've all been kind of, um, dominoes that have been connected to this, this hunger for God that's been in my heart since I was a little boy. Um, I just didn't know how to express it. So yeah, that's kind of how it all began for me as far as, you know, what I'm, what I'm doing today. Those were the, that was the genesis of it all. I love how you had this hunger in you from such a young age. And then God, he honors that so much. And he sets you up. He gets you to Bible school. He sets you up for a divine encounter. He gets you in front of the right people. He gets you to the house of prayer, which just ignites something fresh and new in you. I just love how encounters mark us and catapult us into our calling, into our destiny. 
And then the worship that you created was really birthed out of that place. Obviously, you and the entire team, it was just birthed out of that place of encounter, love, intimacy with Jesus. And so yeah, it was funny. I was I was actually writing love songs to my girlfriend at the time. It's it, I, I'm just telling on myself right now. Uh, so I had this this little girlfriend in high school and I was writing her love songs. And when I got to Bible school in the midst of that, that season of swirl and my eyes being open and just newness, you know, and, and awesome, awesome time in my, t- in, in my life, somebody heard me in the stairwell of my dorm singing some love song that I wrote for my, my girlfriend in high school. And he was weeping. He thought it was a worship song. He came up, he was weeping. He's like, bro, that's the most beautiful worship song I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, uh, this was a love song from my girlfriend. So it actually kind of convicted me as a young teenager, like, man, maybe I should, maybe I should start writing songs, you know, about Jesus. Uh, so that's, that's just like a little side bunny trail for it, but pretty funny. Dude, that's, that is hysterical. Oh yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. This is a really passionate song about (laughs) Jesus. Thanks brother. Thanks. Anyways, that's, that's cool, man. And so, um, I love talking about this because for me, all, and I know this is, this is the heartbeat of the gospel. This is your heartbeat. This is the crux of the gospel. All fruitfulness flows from intimacy. This is eternal life to know him and to know the one whom he sent. And so this is, this is everything to me. I wouldn't want to preach the gospel. I wouldn't want to lay down my life. I wouldn't want to go to the nations. I wouldn't want to do everything that I do if it wasn't for me being able to do it in him and with him. His presence is everything to us. And this is really important. And this is all over scripture. And there's people like King David that really exemplify this. You got Mary of Bethany. You've got the you got the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John. But one thing that's always stuck out to me in scripture, and this is and this is huge too, especially with where we're going in terms of ministering out of that place, because you raise up worship leaders and you know um and 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 you know as a church we're trying to equip the body of Christ to be ministers to be in the business realm but to glorify Christ to be worship leaders and to and to continue his kingdom but you know i just think especially nowadays a lot of talented people out there there's there's gifting out there all of us are gifted all of us are talented there's an anointing that so many people have but more importantly we need to really be connected to the heart of god and something i've noticed in scripture a story that is really um sort of drew my attention is King David and King Solomon, because King Solomon obviously was the son of King David, but he had such a strong anointing, but his life, you don't see a whole lot of connection with God. You see a couple encounters, but he had such a strong anointing, but he wound up going astray in so many ways. We see this also in Ecclesiastes, kind of his heart behind all of that. But you see David, David knew the rhythms of God's heart. Solomon knew the anointing, how to flow with the anointing, but it's so important to know the rhythms of his heart. And I would love to talk about that today. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it, it's I love wisdom, and and honestly, I ask God for wisdom every single day. I I genuinely do. But in this context, that you're you're you know paralleling King David and Solomon, it's interesting to me because Solomon seemed to be more of a student of wisdom, while David was a student of God's emotions. And I think there was a mm-hmm. big big difference there. Um, obviously, you know, Solomon being the wisest man who had ever lived up until Jesus at that point. Um, but the Bible, you know, like you, you mentioned, you know, it, it doesn't go well for him at the end because he, he begins to, we see in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, everything starts seeming like it's in vain to him. You know, you're grasping after the wind, it's all in vain. And it's because he was at the end of his life, he started tapping into the wisdom of man. 
And obviously that that's, you know, that could be a very fleeting thing. But to whereas David, you know, at the end of his life, it says, man, it literally says this of David, he fulfilled the purposes of God in his lifetime. And I believe that the way that David did, did that, even in the midst of not being perfect, Bathsheba was not his only thing, y'all. Like there was all kinds <laughs> of stuff that David messed up with. Um, one yeah. time he got exalted with pride and he was like, man, I wonder how big our army actually is. Joab, why don't you go count it? And Joab's like, you know, Dave, uh, I pray that God would continue to bless us and, and grow our army even double. But why would you want to count it? And David's basically saying, look, I just want to know how awesome we are. Go count it. And that got David into huge trouble. The, the pride of his life sent a plague from heaven on the whole entire nation. And an angel is slaying everybody down for three days just because David was exalted with pride. So it wasn't just Bathsheba. There were many things going on. However, in the midst of all of this, David stayed connected to the presence of God, even in the midst of all of his troubles. I mean, think about it. In the Bathsheba story, this wasn't just like, oops, I sinned with Bathsheba, um, you know, Lord, forgive me. This was this was yeah. a process mm -hmm. of months and months, maybe even over a year-long sin process with David because Bathsheba got pregnant. And then, you know, her husband, he murdered his husband. It was like this, they didn't just have like, you know, text messages where he could just be like, yo, bro, you should come home and, and I want to bless you. Just have, have an evening with your wife. It was, he had to send for him and then come back. And then he didn't want to go to his house because yeah. he was mm -hmm. too committed to the king and, and on and on and on. So in the midst of David's process um, of, of sin, of victory, there was a big difference between him and Solomon. And that was that David was a man of one thing. And I teach us a lot. Out of all the things that David could be known for, he was a giant slayer. He was a warrior. He was a king. He was a politician. He was a fugitive. He was a murderer. At times, he was exalted with pride. Yeah. He was all of these wonderful things and all of these terrible things. But in the midst of all of it, David wasn't finding his identity in his successes or his failures. He found his, his identity in this. Psalm 27, 4, one thing have I asked, one thing do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gaze on his beauty and inquire in his temple. Essentially, David is saying this, Lord, I'm not going to get hung up on the good stuff or the bad stuff. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to see your face and I just want to talk with you. That was David's, yeah. the, the overarching cry of David's life was I just want to be in your presence. So that's a that's a tremendous di difference between him and Solomon. Uh, you know, there were times that Solomon was walking close with God, but it doesn't, there wasn't that one thing cry from Solomon. And I want to uh, mm -hmm. turn it over to you here in just a minute, but another interesting insight about Solomon and David when it comes to these, this parallel, Psalm 132, uh, it's, it's an interesting Psalm. This is where Solomon is getting ready to dedicate the temple and it's essentially this big inaugural moment um, here in America. We just kind of came out of this big political season with the presidential candidates and everything. And you have to imagine when you're gathering the whole entire nation together like they were to dedicate this temple, you don't just wing it on whatever you're going to say to the nation at this point. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sure there was lots of, of course, meetings. Yeah. I'm sure there was lots of counsel. And the thing that all of them agreed upon that said, okay, yeah, this we have to say this. Psalm 132 starts like this. Lord, this is Solomon praying and dedicating the temple, giving an inaugural address to the whole nation. He says, Lord, remember David and all of his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord, how he vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a resting place for the Lord. So Solomon was essentially saying, God, I know David gripped your heart so powerfully that at this most important moment in front of the whole nation, I want to bring up that emotion in your heart. I want to bring that to remembrance of you that as we dedicate this temple, we, we want to be a nation that seeks you with the same intensity. Solomon called it affliction, but it's, it's the same intensity that David sought you with. So there is a gigantic difference between the two as far as it regards to a man after his own heart. That's what called that. That's what the Bible called David and, uh, you know, the wisest man who ever lived. So, you know, at the end of the day, which one was wiser? Like Solomon had more natural mm. wisdom, but there was yeah. a spiritual wisdom to David that perhaps was more wise than Solomon. Anyways. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, I just even imagine as I was reading the story over and over and over again, I just imagine King Solomon seeing his father on his face, worshiping uh, God with all of his heart. He, he, he witnessed that. He saw his father's devotion. And I just, in the beginning of Solomon's life, when he stepped into his reign, it was actually during a time of peace, the scriptures say. It was during a time of peace and he had a mission. It was his father's mission, his father's vision that he wanted to carry out, which is to build the temple. And then as soon as the temple was built, you begin to see Solomon kind of going astray after that mission was fulfilled. And it's like he didn't get fresh vision. And we know that when people don't have vision, they perish. But, um, you know, one thing you see is Solomon, there was a time of peace that he came as king to reign and he did the best he could. But David, he came and his life was volatile. His life, he was, he was with the, with the bears. He was fighting bears and lions. He was a shepherd boy. No one knew who he was, rejected by his family, pu pushed to the side. Then you see him as a fugitive, like you mentioned. I just believe that he, he was, he had tough circumstances, hardships in his life. He was rejected by men and he clung to the Lord and he developed that deep intimacy with God where God was his everything. He had nobody else when Solomon had a kingdom and Solomon had a lot more than what his father had. And so I just see that parallel as well, like within within the you know, the scenarios of life within the hardships of life, like David learned to cling to the Lord and God was his absolute everything in the in the mess of his life. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's interesting that you're talking about like the troubles of David's life. Uh, I had recently put out a post about this on social media. I know it's not a popular doctrine, but there are absolutely things about Jesus that you cannot get to know about without going through hard situations. Um, mm. You know, it, it, if we if we walk with Jesus in sufferings we will also get to walk with him in resurrection. You know, if, if we can have communion with him, and this is one thing that I've been encouraging all of our communities, all of our worship students, is listen, guys, we need to, it's not wrong to ask God to deliver you out of your hard situation. But if you, if you start thinking about it differently, you can, 
not just stop asking God deliver me. I I encourage people and and try to provoke them to say, okay, but at the end of that prayer, God, my life is so hard. Would you please just help me? Would you please just deliver me? That's a very sincere and awesome prayer. But I think we need to add on the backside of that prayer and God in the midst of this really hard time, I want to know you. Think about it like this, okay? One of the reasons why David got to know God so intimately, I do believe, Mike, that like you're talking about the, the hardships, the struggles, you know, the rejections. And, and it was in these times that David, he ran to the Lord. And I'm thinking like, man, why? The book of Isaiah calls mm-hmm. Jesus the man of many sorrows, meaning why did Jesus never use his divinity to deliver himself out of hard times in his humanity? You never once see Jesus abusing his divinity going, oh man, this, this cross is too much. You know, or man, I've already taken enough whips. I'm done taking them. Angels come deliver me. Jesus never did this. Why? Jesus chose to go to the depths of suffering. Jesus chose to go Mm. to the depths of rejection and betrayal in the case of Judas. Jesus chose to go to the depths of human suffering so that he could fully relate to us through anything that we go through in our walk as believers or even as unbelievers. It's in those places where you you, you hit rock bottom as an unbeliever or as a believer. God, would you please help me? And he's right there because he's already walked through that kind of pain. Yeah. He's already walked through that kind of trauma. He's already walked through that kind of grief. And he has become king of that pain. He's become king of that trauma. He's become king of that grief. And it's in those valley seasons like David that if we could choose to see that situation with a new perspective, we're going to tap into the same kind of intimacy that David tapped into. And just like the scriptures say, he is our sympathetic high priest. He knows yes. exactly what we, he knows, he knows what it's like to lose a friend. He knows what it's like to be under corrupt government. He knows what it's like to yep. be rejected, insulted. He knows what it's like to be human, obviously always being fully God, but being fully human. He's, he can sympathize with us in that way. And we need to know that he he uh we and 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 really believe in experience oneness with him in that intimacy yeah. with him in that and you know one story of david is when he lost his child and he was pleading with god that 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 he would not lose his child out of the exact scripture reference right now and he pleaded and he fasted and um and once his child you know, he was is it was in the womb and once she she passed the, you know the child and he died um the first thing he did was wash his face put oil on his head and he went to the temple to worship. Yep. It's so beautiful. Like the life of David, he shows us a picture of someone who could worship and be intimate with God when he's in the top of the hill, but also somebody that no matter what happens in life, no matter what has been taken away from you, no matter what was lost, no matter how broken, how sinful you may be in seasons, no matter how far you fall, he God is always there and we can come and we could worship him in any season. I really feel like that's for somebody right now. I feel the presence of the Lord on that, that we could at the end of the day, if we don't get the outcome that we desire and we do not have our our prayers answered in the way that we have longed for and pleaded for, that he still is everything. He is Jesus. He is our solution. Yeah, what he if, is what everything if Jesus to us was when we worship. Enough? 
What if you don't get the answer? What if you don't get the breakthrough? What if he was just enough? <laughs> uh, God's asked me that before. Am I enough for you? He is our everything. But once you taste, once you see, once you experience him, that's when your heart gets immersed in that way where that, that becomes a cry of your heart. When you see him, you love him. You can't help but love him. And so my desire is for every saint, every human being to encounter Jesus so they could truly say like, Paul, what was me if I don't preach this gospel? Like I need, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll leave everything behind because he's Jesus and he's so amazing. Yeah. But, um, this is this is beautiful because what 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 you're doing what your life is is laid at and you could obviously share this a lot better than me but I see you pouring into the next generation I see you raising up worship leaders but you're not just teaching people how to be anointed and to sing prophetically you are you are discipling the heart of worship leaders and people around the world you want them to have integrity of heart purity of heart so they're not just leaning on their gifting and their talent but everything is about Jesus I love the I love to talk about that a little bit because especially with this worship movement, everybody wants to be, you know, Bethel and IHOP and Elevation, you know, and if you're gifted and talented, your giftings can make a way for you just for the fact of having a gifting. But the heart is so important. Yeah, 100%. I actually uh, like to relate to it as the heart and the art. Um, And and Mm -hmm. my take on it is this, the reason why all of the music, let's just talk about just the music, Okay. The reason why all of the music in the church has all started sounding exactly like one another in the past 15 to 20 years is because we continue to put character and integrity on a pedestal without putting any emphasis on the actual skill. And now I'm not saying that character and integrity should not be on a pedestal. It absolutely should, but it should be on a pedestal at the same height as the skill and as the ability to execute your mm-hmm. singing or playing when it comes to worshipers, singers, songwriters, musicians, etc. Because here's the thing, in the church we have this mindset just like, uh, it's just good enough for Sunday morning. It's just for God. He, he doesn't care. He just wants the heart. Well, he does care actually. Psalm 33.3 says to play skillfully before the Lord. It doesn't say to play mediocrely. Now, there's nothing wrong if you're mediocre starting, but don't stay there. This is for God. I, you know, the, right. the, the church loves to talk about things like, oh man, we need to become so excellent that the world looks at us and they try to copy us. Well, when are y'all going to start doing it? You're not going to start doing it if, if all you ever do is talk about you need character and integrity. You absolutely do, but you also need to practice. You also need to become more skilled. You also need to do your your mm-hmm. scales and do your runs and get coaching and get mentorship and practice, practice, practice. Because here's what happened. In the church, the sincerity and the character has gotten stronger, but the music has gotten worse. Now in the world, mm-hmm. the music has gotten stronger. The expression, the artistry has gotten stronger, but the character has gotten worse. I mean, the the stuff that's out there today is just absolutely wretched. It's evil. It's wicked. And the whole idea of being in the world as an artist is like, man, who cares what you're talking about as long as the music is cool. And both parties are missing it. If you wanted to be a skilled musician in David's tabernacle, the book of Chronicles tells us that they had to be skilled in character and they had to be skilled in their instrument or singing. So I call it the heart 
and the art. The heart and the art need to be skilled together at the same level of excellence. Not one or the other. It's both. And whenever you become skilled in character, when you become skilled in humility, when you become skilled in your musician or in in your instrument or your singing. And they're all at the same high level. That's what it means to become a Davidic musician. And it is my conviction that at the end of the age, Davidic worship is going to be leading the charge at the end of the age. This is not about performance. This is not about having a hit record or another blue check on Instagram. Uh, This is not about followers or likes. This is about the presence of God coming to the planet on earth as it is in heaven. He's enthroned on our praises. And this is about prophetic singers and musicians rising up to the levels of excellence, not just in character, but in skill that God is calling us to to rise to so that we can be effective in the last days when it comes to our worship. I love how you talk about that because even even in the Old Testament, it even says in in places that people wouldn't even imagine, in the building of the the temple with Solomon, it said that there were certain people that were filled with the Holy Spirit to be be, um, uh, craftsmen. Um, it says all these different things. You're talking about being, you know, those the, the the scriptures and Psalms where it talks about play skillfully unto the Lord. Well, David was filled with the Holy Spirit to play for Saul and to and to cast the demon out of him. And there's so many places where it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit to not just preach the gospel, to not just worship, but to do different arts. You know, we're, yeah, we're, you know, we're talking we were, about music now, we but to work with, with our hands. Spirit, what if we are filled with the Spirit simply to minister to God? Like, what if we were, <laughs> what if we grew in excellence and character, not so that the world could think that we are cool, but so that we could actually have a, a, a skilled, excellent, anointed gift to bring to God? Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Ed, in the show, man. What do you, where, what is your heart's desire in all of this? You are raising up worshipers. You want to see people connect to the heart of God. You're passionate about the art. You're passionate about the heart and teaching people how to develop this intimacy with the Lord. Like, what do you see five years from now, 10 years from now? Like what, in what direction do you see the church going? What, what's, what's your desire? Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple of different directions. If we continue down the direction that we're currently headed, and I don't want to just make broad, you know, general statements, but there is, there are portions of the worship movement that I feel like are, and again, it's not to any one you know, group or any one worship leader. I'm just saying like in general, there are portions of the worship movement that if we continue going down those paths, um, we're going to become more stale in our music. We're going to become more, Mm. more hard of heart because we think that we are trying to industry our way into the priesthood when God never intended for worship to be an industry. Worship's always been about being a priest ministering to him. And the problem is, is you can't disciple a culture that's already discipled you. And too many of the worship movement are being discipled by Hollywood. They're being discipled by Nashville. They're being discipled by, you know, New York City and Atlanta or whoever, whatever music scene you're looking to. And the world is telling us you got to go after money, after fame, after royalty checks, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, and so what I'm saying is if we continue going down that path, we're going to get in big trouble. We're going to lose a lot of authority. We're going to lose a lot of credibility. And the church is is going to be uh, weak in one of the places that it should be the strongest, and that is in our worship, in our praises. Mm-hmm. But there's a remnant yeah. rising right now. There's a group of people all across the planet 
who don't care about fame or followers or numbers or notoriety or you know any of that stuff that the world has told us to chase there is a generation like David who are rising and who won't just be a student a student of man's wisdom and say okay well how's the industry doing but they're going to be student of students of God's emotions and they're going to walk with God in the cool of the day just like Adam and Eve they're going to have intimacy they're going to have dialogue they're going to have conversation and i believe that those men and women who give themselves to a walk with God and just say Jesus you're enough anything else that comes out of this is just simply a byproduct of you mm-hmm. being enough for me so i could see it going either those ways and obviously i'm trying to give my life a first to make sure that i'm staying in the way after his presence that's that's the highest priority of my life and b hopefully provoking a few people to to follow me as i follow christ to go after the presence with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength and to give yourself to the lord as a worshiper not for the industry but for the presence that's what i'm going after man yeah. I really feel in my heart there's people that are listening to this right now as they're hearing you say all of these things their heart is yearning for a deeper relationship with the lord to see him feel him encounter him there's been roadblocks mentally emotionally they've been going after other things and i would just love to end this in prayer can you can you pray rick for the people who are listening that they they just want to burn and they want to be an example and they want to love jesus with everything but they're just having a hard time getting to that place absolutely lord we just lift up every single person is watching right now lord would you grip our hearts with the flame with the fire of first thank love you. lord i thank you for first love fire just to 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 ignite our hearts lord would you grip us again lord for that first love feeling lord where we would just hear the name of jesus and weep lord i ask that you would restore that to the body of christ and lord specifically to those who are listening today lord we release blessing we release favor we break off all fear all anxiety all worry off of everybody on this podcast and lord we thank you that you are raising up a new breed of men and women who like david they're giving themselves to your presence lord that in a generation where we're so concerned with our own comfort and our own rest that you lord you're raising up a generation who is more concerned with your comfort and you your presence having a resting place so release it over our hearts today lord in the name of jesus amen yes yes amen amen awesome thank you so much for joining me and pouring out your heart and not holding back like you always do like you always do how can people connect with your ministry i know you just got back from you did a texas tour and i was at one of the stops and it was it was it was amazing it was powerful how can people connect with your ministry maybe share a little bit of what you're doing that people could uh glean from and receive we we have a a mentorship program called worship coach and it's just worshipcoach.com and actually as of this morning the team and i were just looking over 100,000 people have came through a worship coach worship coach trainings in the past 12 months which is wow. just mind blowing of what the Lord is doing so we train we equip we coach we champion worshipers from around the world and you can find out more about it at worshipcoach.com <laughs> awesome thank you Rick it's a pleasure man it's great talking with you what a joy 
Thank you so much for having me, man. Honor to be here. Awesome. And for those of you who are watching or listening to Awaken Podcast right now, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We can get it out to more people so they can be blessed, encouraged, awakened by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you guys, and I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, Just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, Life Poured Out intl.org lifeportoutintl.org or you can go to destinyimage.com the audiobook is available as well on amazon.com as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com and so bless you guys grab a copy of immersed in his glory <laughs>